So, like I said, I have to actually leave it ten. So it's a beautiful way to do it, so that you have a piece of the shemitah. You can actually be keeping the shemitah, not only supporting. It's a really neat thing to do. But what if he messes up? Did I also get there? <laughs> well, you didn't work the land, so okay. the question is, are you hiring him? You know, but the Karen Shvia should be good at making sure it's done correctly. Okay. okay, so we were in the middle of this um, essay from Rav Tzadok on V'hayayim Shamoatishmeu, and we spoke about really a, perhaps a novel way of understanding the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai Derech Eretz versus All Torah conflict, where all of a sudden it's not a conflict anymore. It's in the same way that we talked about you shall love Hashem your God with all your heart, all your soul, with, and all your might, and even and with what's with all your soul, even if he takes your soul, being willing to give your life for him. So this was his understanding. Um, this was sort of the way he understood Shema with the two paragraphs, one directed in the singular, which was the first paragraph, and one in the second paragraph, which is directed to the community that a person has to be willing to give up his whole life, his whole heart and his whole soul for God, whether it's asked of him to give himself to God by completely abandoning all of what's known as derech eretz, like interaction with the sort of the physical world of Parnassa, or if he is called upon to serve Hashem by involving himself. Maybe he wanted to be learning Torah full-time, and now he's called upon that he's going to devote himself to Hashem through Parnassa and, and setting aside time for Torah in his schedule, but not exclusively. And either way, a person needs to be prepared to be Moser Nefesh. Generally speaking, it's through Torah with Derech Eretz, so to speak, um, but for Yechidim, for individuals, there are individuals who are sort of called to serve Hashem through Mesiris Nefesh for Torah. Okay. And then I, it's, there's some interesting other points that come up. In, that was the main point I wanted to bring from the Sidka Satzadik. But before we move on, let's, let's hear some of the other things that he talks about. So he said, Really, either way, a person needs both. We all need the first paragraph of Shema, and we all need the second, and we need to spend the time working on ourselves internally to be able to serve Hashem and be Moser Nefesh. Here, saying Nefesh is our physical life, right? That, it's that aspect of soul which animates our physical life. So to be Moser Nefesh, to give our physical lives and dedicate them toward service of Hashem, however we are called to do so. Either way, through Torah, through Derech Eretz. The Yadua Meha Arizal, and then he quotes the Ari, that in the first paragraph of Shema is included God's holy name of 42 letters. Now, I just made a little asterisk to myself because we had seen that there were 42 letter, 42 words in the paragraph of Elhafta, in that first paragraph, which was two times 21, and we had quite a long discussion, sort of semi-Kabbalistic discussion about 
21 as the beginning of the process and not seeing the progress, as I recall. That was Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh. God says, I will be that which I will be. It's in the future. It's Yud Ke Vav Ke, uh, God's name of infinity and creation and mercy only in the future tense. So you can't actually see the outcome, but it will be. And two of those, the Eheyeh and the Eheyeh, then is the 42, 42 being, um, also there were 42 stations, like in the desert, 42 stages from Mitzrayim to Eretz Canaan. So that's, a, that's the, prod, the process. Camping stops. Camping stops, right, encampments. So that's the, that 42 representing the process, 21 representing halfway into the process, meaning the process has begun, but you cannot really see the progress. So I'm ju that was just a reminder. You can. Well, I was going to say go back and find it online, but I don't know if the Vahafta ones ever got online yet. I think we went up to uh, session 50, and we're now up to about 64. So soon, I hope. Yeah. Soon, I hope. Yeah, we actually thank God we had a contribution to help us get the website going, and um, maybe even like today or tomorrow, the first group of podcasts will be at least loaded as a beta site. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that. Okay. So the Ari says that the first paragraph of Shema contains within it God's 42 letter name, whatever that is. Okay. And in Parsha's Vahayaim Shamoa is a, is the 72 letter name. I'm trying to think, did I actually count those and see if it was 72 words? I don't remember. So someone can do that for homework. Maybe me. Vinoda, and it is known. Well, let me see how far I'm going to go here because it's getting a little bit. Sorry, I, I put notes on this, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's, he's gone into the extreme esoteric. Okay, now let's come back to earth a little bit. Um, okay, maybe I can't just jump. He, he relates the process, the 42 and the 72, 42 being the first part of Shema, 72 being the second part of Shema, to the going in and the coming out from the base Medrash. This is based on, uh, on a Gemara, which says that Rabbi Nuhunya ben Hakane had a tefillah he said when he went into the base Medrash, and he had a tefillah he said when he left the base Medrash. And the 42 and the 72 represent these different names of Hashem, meaning different interactions with Hashem. Where going into the base medrash represents being mafkir. Um, you know, hefker is when you say something is ownerless. So you say, I'm not, I don't have to hang on to a sense of responsibility for this. I could use it. Someone else could use it. It's not... It doesn't have to depend upon me. Okay. So being mafkir, going into the base medrash, is a state of being mafkir kol inyone olam hazeh. 
saying, I let go of this world. I stop feeling like my phone is ringing, something is beeping. If I don't take care of this, then it might fall apart. Right? That, that feeling, that, that's what going into a base medrash means letting that go. Going, it's going into Torah space, God's space, and leaving behind the Derech Eretz space. To, to take on the, the Lushan of, you know, the earlier half of this essay. It's a very interesting concept, this idea, like, could I put myself into a mental space even for a short time? Even someone who's going into the base medrash for a little while. When you pick up your learning Torah, you're not just entering a space of learning Torah, but leave behind the space of Derech Eretz. Just let it go for a while. God was running the world for a long time before you were born, and he knows what to do. The steering wheel's in good hands. And this... It has to be done carefully because a person has to have a good grasp of where they're holding. Where were they called upon to be? Are they <laughs> called upon to be in the base measures now or not? But the fact that a person is desiring, when a person says, I wish to be in the base medrash, may it be your will, Hashem, that I be zoha to be among those who sit in the base medrash. Zihiratzah, right? Or there's... There's one thing I beg of you, Hashem, that I seek. To sit in God's house all the days of my life, right? So this desire to be in the base medrash is also a desire to leave the level of the physical. It's saying, I don't really want to have to be keeping my mind on the issues of the physical, what I really want is to be able to put my mind on the issues of Torah, which is another way of saying, Mesiris Nefesh for Torah, not Mesiris Nefesh for Derech Eretz. Uh, not, not turning down, because we have to be willing to be most Nefesh, whichever way we're called. Mm -hmm. But the Mesiris Nefesh, the being willing to give my life towards that, my life energy, as much of it as I shall have, to put it toward that. So this desire that I would be able to put my life energy into Torah. That's the desire to leave the state of focusing on the physical. That's the desire for being in the base medrash. And now, this is becoming like a malach. This is saying, I want to leave behind the... I want to be able to serve you by caring for the world on a spiritual level, not on a physical level. That is really a kind of striving to be a malach. So that's something that men and machines are doing? Ideally. They're certainly caring for the world on a spiritual level. This is a pretty mature degree of avoda to work on. I'm not saying it's the highest level of tzitkis, but it's a mature level of avoda. So someone who's 18 or 19 may or may not be thinking about it. It's one reason why mashkichim and yeshivas talk a lot about a desire to learn Torah 
and a passion for learning Torah and dedicating yourself to learning Torah. It's to, to accustom your mind to thinking about these kinds of ways so that as you mature, you have material to work with to understand how to, how to direct the drives for productivity and for you know, development that you could aim. But again, Rav Tzadik said, to actually be called to that for the long term is for Yechidim. It's not everyone who's called to that. That's, that's, a, that's a merit. But to desire it, that's achievable for everybody. Okay. This is Rav Tzadok. He said, either way, a person needs both. A person's called, let's say a person is fortunate, and they really have a calling to learning Torah, full time, and dedicate, and giving up their life force to that. That kind of exhaustion and energy you know, that you, you have at the end of the day when, when you've spent all day working on stuff that's really hard. It's exciting, but you had to start early and you had to end late, and there was stuff that if you didn't take care of it today, you really felt, you know, wouldn't get done properly. And putting all of that into Torah, that's la'asok b'divrei Torah, to, to make it your business of learning Torah. And that's, you know, that, we, we say that every, every single day, day. Yes. <laughs> even if we're busy with some other kind of business. Because really, we only both. We all are commanded to say the first and the second paragraphs of Shema. So imagine being in that, in that place and having to face the second paragraph of Shema. Having to be able to say, Ribbona Shalom, if you show me, right, through the circumstances of my life, whatever they are, that you are sending me to serve you by working in a field or an office, then I would be able to accept that, that I would be mekabel ol mitzvos. I would be mekabel ol mitzvos, and I would do it with joy in order to be able to serve you properly. That's really just as hard, maybe harder, because you don't even get the pleasure side. Right? I remember Rabbi Burstein once spoke at the Katzevitzes many, many, many years ago. And he mentioned that somebody came to, I forget who it was, I have it in my mind that it was Ravarn Cutler, but I, I'm not sure it was, and asked him about the legitimacy of creating a Yesachar Zavulun relationship, a partnership, where the pers this person had money, and he had a lot, was earning a lot of money, and he wanted to know, you know, was it, there's, there's a lot of halachos. There's actually whole farm written on how a person could, could actually go into a Yisachar Zavulun partnership. Some say that it can't be that you, you develop that with somebody who's already known as the Gadol Hador. You know, now you're going to waltz in yeah. at this late stage and say, I'd like to buy a 50% equity share in your Torah learning, you know. Um, but anyway, this somebody, <laughs> any, any percent, right. No, but that, there's, so there's the whole question, you know, does a person actually, does, is it 50-50? If you split your, your income 50-50, is the Torah 50 I mean, there's all kinds of halachas, there's actually halachas about this. Okay, but this person's question was, when a person gets to Olam Haba, they have the Torah that they learned. Right? That's Ashri Misha Ba Lakan Visalmudo Bayado. A person comes and his Talmud's in his hand. Fortunate is he. So this person says, I'm gonna spend, you know, maybe an hour or two a day learning and ten hours a day working. And this other person that I'm gonna fund is gonna spend twelve hours a day learning. Or ten hours a day learning. So 
will I really, in Olam Haba, will I have the Torah that he learned? So that in that great base medrash up above, I will also have learned all this Torah. Because that's part of the point of the partnership. And the Rosh Hashiva looked at him and said, yes, in Olam Haba, you'll have it. But, but yeah, but, but what about the pleasure of Olam Hazet? You know, was this this like? There's something missing. <laughs> like there's a you will you you are definitely the poor partner, in this. You know, whereas you might have been thinking, oh well, I'm the one coming from the position of strength. I've got all the money. Hey, Yay, mommy's back. Karen is <laughs> joining us today. And you think you know I'm the one, mommy, mommy, wow. mommy. We're so happy to have you. So you think that you have all the Torah. This calls for a party. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big simcha. So you think you come in and you're the powerful part. You're the one who's lucky because you have all the money. And you'll kind of do this person a favor by sharing your money with them. And, um, you know, like, yeah, you also prove to yourself what a spiritual person you are, that you're investing in having Torah in the next world. That's not the relationship. Yes, you can share it, but, but you don't get the pleasure of learning Torah in the world now. You've really lost out. And that is definitely, you know, a, a different understanding of, of what a Yisachar is. Well, you know, it's somebody who says, I've been called. You know, I heard... Rabbi Orlowick told me a story recently of a Talmud who was learning in Israel and got word that his father or grandfather had passed away and had left, I don't know if it was a business or if it was like real estate, it was, it was gonna require time to manage, but it was a very valuable amount of money. It was, in, it was about $20 million. But it wasn't $20 million in cash in a bank account. It was something that was going to require price, yeah. leaving the yeshiva and going back to America and managing this business. And Revorlewick sent him to somebody else. It may have been Revolbe. I don't, I don't remember now. Um, I probably have it written down. He sent him to ask Ashila what to do. And the, this person was told, it's not a simple, you know, because he thought, well, maybe, you know, like that, I wasn't planning to have $20 million. Like, I, and I was here, and I was starting to grow in my learning, and I wanted to just do this. And he was told, it's not a simple thing to leave $20 million on the table. That's, that's not a financial comment. That's, everyone was given tools and an environment to serve Hashem. Now you could say, well, maybe it was just a test, and he was given this $20 million in order that he could overcome the taiva for the $20 million and serve Hashem. But that wasn't the approach. It was, you know, if God put $20 million on the table, he may have something he wants you to do with that. There, there's something you're being told in the same way that you're being told something by having a mind to learn Torah and having a home to host guests. Mm -hmm. It's all the things you've been given. So 
when the person wants to, yearns to leave the level of developing the world, of la'avda ula shamra, working the land and guarding the land on the physical level and really aims to do that on the spiritual level, that's a striving to be like a malach. And after, when his heart has soaked up words of Torah, and his heart has soaked up a level of setting aside his own will for the will of Hashem. So we're, that's the first paragraph of Shema. And then you've, you've raised yourself to this unbelievable level in Shman Ve'ahavta. And now you have to go face Midas Derech Eretz. Facing the world and interacting with it as Derech Eretz. And Kabbalas Ol Mitzvos. And accepting the yoke of Mitzvos. It's going to be Miser, and it's going to be Truma, and Peya, and Leket, and Shechecha, and Shmita, and like <laughs> all these things that you wouldn't necessarily be occupied with. But they got, you know, it's all of Chosh and Mishpat, and <laughs> the laws of lending and borrowing, and right, I mean, that, that's lovely, but as no sein hodoya al chalko, lias behevkeres this is Parshas Vahaya im Shamoa. Veosavto degonecha. This is, and if you will listen to Hashem's words, you will gather in your grain, as Chazal have told us. And we're going to talk about this Chazal in more detail later. That the first part is talking about when they do Hasha, uh, when the Jewish people are behaving according to Hashem's will. And the second part is when they're not behaving according to Hashem's will, as the Tosfos has asked. And I'm not going to go there now, but the notes already exist to talk about this later. Okay. The question of the Tosfos is basically, wait a minute, but one is talking about Shema, one's talking about the Haya in the beginning. The first part of the Haya, not the part about the destruction. Okay, so isn't this also when they're doing God's will? That's the question of the Tosfos. The first part of Shema, Shman Ve'ahavta, is talking about when they behave according to God's will. The second part is when they're not. But then the Tosfos says, but they are. So what do you mean that they're not? Like, in what way is that not? So we'll, we'll talk about that afterward. The main point I want to bring from this piece of Rav Tzadok is Knisa and Yitzia going into the base Medrash and coming out of the base Medrash. Both of them are important. Both of them are necessary. Going into the base medrash also requires that there's a going out of the base medrash. You can't come in if you didn't go out. Entering the state of Kabbalah sol Shemaim requires also that you exit into Kabbalah sol Mitzvos. 
entering into a state of only your Ratzon, and it's all about serving Hashem through Torah, requires that at some point, at least briefly, you step back out of the base Medrash into the world of Derech Eretz. Why? It is not possible to remain in a perpetual state of clinging to God, as is known. It's not possible. People can't do it. We cannot remain, you know, Dveikus is a word you hear more like in Hasidic descriptions. So what is Dveikus? Dveikus means sticking or clinging. The state of always feeling an elevated sense of yearning to be close to Hashem. We want as, to be in that state as much as possible, but it is not actually possible to feel that way all the time. At some point, a person gets a little bit hungry and thinks, you know, I really could use a sandwich. Yeah, your body keeps reminding you. In order, yeah, like, it's, it is a, it's, a, it's part of being finite and having these physical limitations, is that at some point, or a person feels discouraged, or whatever it is, there will be moments when a person leaves that base metric. This is the muscle of the going in and the coming out. When a person goes out from the Divrei Torah, what is going to happen to him? That is part of what's addressed in Shema. You, you strive to truly wish to serve Hashem completely with no thought of the physical. You're willing to give up the money, you're willing, right? But it isn't actually possible. You know, even Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai had to leave the cave eventually. I'm not saying he went to work, but he had to leave the cave. Okay. What happens when you leave the cave? When you leave the base medrash? When you leave a space that is in your mind and around you, all Torah? What happens is you go out into the world, and the world means you are now connected with the community, which is why it's in plural. This is how do I live in the world with other people, and not just other people, uvahem gam ameha'aret, some of whom are ignorant. <laughs> and not only are they not yearning constantly to get back into the base medrash, they don't even appreciate the fact that I want to get back into the base medrash. So, in order to be able to maintain yourself as part of a community, the strength to do that comes from the desire to be in the base medrash. Now, how does it, hang on. Now that sounds like, yeah, but that means you don't want to be there. This is again the interaction between the prayer to enter the base medrash and the prayer to go out. Shebesha, it goes both ways. Besha she'osik b'divrei Torah. 
when you're out in the world and you're out in the world of mitzvos and derech eretz, your heart is saying, if only I could be back, right? In the base medrash, I, I'm willing to accept upon myself. None of this is what really matters. What matters is that I'm serving you and I would be happy to do that called into the base medrash. But it also means that at the time that a person is busy with Divrei Torah, the only way that he is certain that he is truly clinging to Hashem when he's in the base medrash, in the state of Torah, clinging to Hashem, right? How do you know if that's clinging? Only im nikba belev kol kach ad shegam b'yitziyaso lehan higmidas derech eretz yiyashamoa b'kol Hashem u'mitzvosav. If in the base medrash he can say, I am able to accept upon myself with all my heart that when the time comes, hopefully not for a long time and hopefully only for a brief time, that I leave the base medrash, I accept upon myself completely and wholeheartedly to interact and to serve Hashem with their Heretz. Both ways. When you're in the world of Derech Eretz, you have to be able to accept upon yourself not only that, that's the obvious part, but to accept upon yourself to serve Hashem through Torah. And when you're serving Hashem through Torah, to say, I'm going to accept upon myself to serve Hashem through Derech Eretz. Let's, let's just apply this back briefly to his previous paragraph. A person strives to be in a state of devakus. We, even if we can't quite aspire to it as it is, to aspire to aspire to it. To aspire to a situation where we yearn to feel close to Hashem, to love and to be loved, to, to reach for the source, for our soul's source. In, in the case where we are feeling elevated, we are feeling transcendent, maybe it's just for a few minutes, maybe it's for a few hours, maybe it's days, whatever it is, when we have those sweet times where we can feel the elevation and the power of the desire to be close to Hashem, we have to be able to accept upon ourselves to wholeheartedly serve Him when we exit that state. When we are in a state of non-inspiration mm -hmm. and we're in a state of routine and drudgery and physicality and work and cooking and carpool and whatever else it is we do, which can also be done sometimes through a state of elevation when we have those sweet times, mm -hmm. but not all the times are so sweet, we have to also accept upon ourselves that when we don't feel so transcendent and inspired, we're serving Hashem. And again, you can see this reflected in the language of the Parshios in Shema. You have Ve'ohavta Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Ve'ohavtois Hashem Elokecha, and it's transcendent, and it's romantic, and there's nothing else you can even, there's nothing but, but Hashem and you. That's it. 
And then there's this sort of bump in Vahayaim Shamoa. Because you're still talking about loving Hashem and serving Him with all your heart and all your soul. But first of all, it's a little less personal because there's other people who have entered the room somehow. Okay? We're in the plural. God's talking to you as a group, and it's like, where did you come from? You've invaded my, my lovely personal relationship with God. And now I'm talking about harvesting and storing grain and wondering if it'll rain enough and taking care of the animals. So there's this, like, that bump down. And yet, in doing that, that's Kabbalah's old mitzvos. That is committing to and accepting and willing ourselves that I wish this, I wish to serve Hashem this way. And compared to the first paragraph, it's kind of a letdown. It's much less exciting. But it's the routine. And this is also a challenge to be able to achieve. Sometimes more of a challenge. Sometimes one, sometimes the other, right? More of a challenge to be able to say, that's what I also aspire to that. It's another lens through which, you know, you hear people usually pointing fingers at somebody, right? About, oh, how do you see people who learn? Do you look up to them? Do you look down on them? Right? Are they our heroes? Are they the parasites? Yeah. <laughs> or looking at the, I don't want to laugh, it's common, <laughs> right? Or looking at pointing fingers at people in yeshivas. How do you look at people who go off and work? Are they second-class citizens, right? And the truth is, we're all supposed to deal. It's just that for some people, for all people at different stages of life, one of these may be a harder avoda to be mekabel than the other, that's all. But we've all got to be working on both twice a day, every day. Being able to say, however you call me to serve you, in happy and in difficult, in Transcendence or in mundane, I will, I'm the foot soldier. I'm there. I'll, I'll do it. Whatever it is, I'll do it because I want to, because I love you. He says this idea that we saw with Vahayaim Shamoa Tishmeu. And we mentioned Rashi said Shamoa was past tense, the old, Tishmeu the new. When you hear the old, if you heard the old, you'll be able to hear the new. So Rav Tzadok takes this Rashi, he didn't say it's the Rashi, but it is. <laughs> okay. He says it means if you've listened. If you've listened to the old, then you will be able to listen to the new. Whatever your state was, whether your old was that you were able to accept upon yourself that you're going to live a life of derech eretz, or you're going to accept upon yourself that you're going to live mekabel mitzvahs in the life of derech eretz, or mekabel omachos shamayim in a life of Torah, either way, tishme'u. You have to be able to also listen forward to the opposite one. Not opposite, the other one. The old and the new. Whichever way it will go, you need to be prepared. That's the Ruf So now I think we can 
we can get a new way of just, I want to I read again something that I read before, which is this Gemara in Brachos, Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha, Lama Kadma Parsha Shema Levahayim Shemoa. Why is the first paragraph of Shema before the second paragraph of Shema? Why is Ve'ahavta and Shema before Vahayim Shemoa? Kedeshi Yekabel Alav, in order that a person should accept upon himself Ol Malchus Shamayim Tehila, first the commitment to the kingdom of heaven, Ve'achakach, and afterward Mekabel Alav O Mitzvos, to accept upon himself the Ol of Mitzvos. I think in light of the Rav Tzadok, you hear a new facet to that. <coughs> you hear a new facet to the first thing you have to dedicate yourself to is to fully <coughs> willing and choosing upon yourself all Torah, and then fully willing and choosing upon yourself all mitzvahs. That the order does matter. And Now let's apply this to something that we already talked about, which was that Sfas Emes that, that focused on the difference between Machshava and Maisa. Thought, Machshava, mm-hmm. intellect, thinking, which is the main avoda of Shema, and Maisa, which is action. Where the Maisa, the Machshava can be perfected. It can become perfect. The Maisa cannot. So in the first paragraph of Shema, we're able to strive for perfection with our, with our machshava and to possibly achieve perfection in the deeds or something very close to it. <coughs> because the deeds that we talk about in the first paragraph of Shema are Kabbalah's Omachu Shemaim, which is essentially still in the intellect. Even when you've done, even the physical mitzvahs of talking about Torah and wearing tefillin and mezuzah, they're all mitzvahs of the intellect. So you can achieve something as close to perfection as possible. That has to be the foundation before Hayaim Shamoa, which we also strive to achieve perfection in, in our minds. But in execution, which is the execution of plowing our fields and bringing in the harvest, there will be mistakes. There will be. Because we talked about that. That's my set is virtually impossible to have perfect Misa. And the only reason I can say it's virtually impossible is because that's what the Sfasema said, which suggests that he had something in mind that was possible, and I don't know what it was. Right? Maybe in short term, or like a particular thing. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So I think this brings together and also concludes our introduction, or not introduction, our transition from the first paragraph of Shema to the second paragraph of Shema. I'm distracted. Hi. He's listening. No. <laughs> That's the transition. It's the transition from perfection of Machshava to perfection of Maisa through Machshava. And that this is the order. And this is it's probably a good order in life meaning striving to perfect. There's a reason why people will dedicate a few years to learning Torah, even if they're going to go out and work afterward. There's a really good reason for spending some time first and making a foundation that's all Torah at the beginning, whatever your plan is, because that's where you can achieve a higher level of perfection first, and that then becomes the foundation for the Derech Eretz, so that the Derech Eretz is also built on a machshava that's as perfected as possible. 
And this, this principle of the Sasemis with the perfection and the non impossibility of perfection, so to speak, Rav Tzadok also sort of addresses it by saying, I, I didn't read this part inside, that's why in the first paragraph of Shema, there's no discussion of, of reward and punishment. In the second one, there is. Because we're striving for perfection in that first paragraph, and it's achievable. There's no reward and punishment to talk about. First of all, because you're not doing it for the sake of reward, which would be a less, lesser level of perfection, but also because it isn't relevant to talk about it getting messed up. You can make it better and better. In Misa, in Vahayaim Shamoa, you can't not talk about the possibility of failure. Because you're talking about the world of Derech Eretz and you're talking about living through mitzvahs and actions. You must face the fact that there will be mistakes because there are going to be mistakes. Therefore, there's going to be schar and onesh, reward and punishment, in order to guide or fix or correct or heal the mistakes. And so when we accept upon ourselves <coughs> all mitzvos, when we say, Hashem, whatever you command me to do, how you tell me to behave, it's my will that I will that. Right? Your command is my wish. We are also accepting upon ourselves scharva onish. We are supposed to consciously think, Hashem, you punish and you reward. And all of that is to help us achieve perfection in our deeds. Because, okay, let me let's put it differently. Like, like the tshuva ribbon, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas we cannot achieve, we can't achieve perfection the first time around with our deeds. The only way we can achieve perfection in our deeds is if they're healed. Because the deeds we create are always somewhat handicapped. Or virtually always handicapped in some way. We, did, we didn't have perfect kavana. We, we could have done it a little better. Something, there's a, you know, they're stunted in a way. They're finite. Our deeds are finite. They're a product of a finite world, and therefore they have limitations. But through the process of a Hayaim Shamoa, they can be healed to perfection, which is a backhanded way of getting to perfection, but it gets you there. And that we are supposed to be mekabel upon ourselves when we say the second paragraph of Shema. So if you look at... Uh, there's probably an art scroll we'll sitter over there. I mean, I'll go bring one. Right? Is there good enough to remind you of the mitzvah you're supposed to be doing in the section, huh? <coughs> so what have they put here? And they put it in because in order to be able to do the mitzvah of Shema, as we said, the intellect has to be functional. You have to be using your mind to think of the things you're supposed to think about, or else you haven't done the mitzvah of saying Shema. And we said, Kriya Shema, you can't do it by just saying the words, even though it's called saying Shema, right? You have to actually be thinking about what it is. 
So, I'll just read this. Recite the first verse aloud, this talking about Shema Yisrael, with the right hand covering the eyes, and concentrate intensely upon accepting God's absolute sovereignty. And before Ve'ohavta Es Hashem Okecha, it says, while reciting the first paragraph, concentrate on accepting the commandment to love God. And before Ve'hayayim Shomo Atishmu, it says, while reciting the second paragraph, concentrate on accepting all the commandments and the concept of reward and punishment. This is the kavana that we're supposed to have when we go into Shema. In the same, into Vahayaim Shema, in the same way that at the beginning of Shema, we choose Hashem as our king. If we had a choice, he's our king anyway, but to the extent that we can with our free will, we would choose him. And in Shema, we choose to love Hashem. He loves us, but we choose to love him. And when we go into the second paragraph, we're supposed to stop a moment and think about what we are about to say, which is we choose the mitzvahs. We have to do them anyway. But we choose them because we want to, because we love Hashem, we want to know, please tell me what I can do for you. You know these people that, please tell me how I can help you? No, 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 no. But the truth is when you love someone, you wish they would say, you know, it would be a big help to me if you took out the garbage. I'll do it myself, but, but it would be, you want to know. It would make me feel happy to get flowers. Oh, I'm so happy. Now I know how I could help make you happy. Right? We want, Hashem, what is your wish? What, what do you want us to do? Tell us. Hooray, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for telling us about Torah and Mitzvahs. We want to do them. And there's reward and punishment. And we choose it with our will. We're so happy there's reward and punishment. We can rejoice that there's reward because why should there be a reward? We just do what we're supposed to do. This isn't, you know, you don't expect a bonus every time you, like, do your job right. Okay, so why should there be a reward? We, we choose that. That's amazing. And punishment? Thank you, Hashem. Through that, I could, we could achieve perfection that we couldn't have achieved otherwise. Okay, so next week, Be'ezus Hashem, I hope I didn't promise this last week. <laughs> next week, in Hashem, we really, really will start word, phrase by phrase to go through V'hayim Shema. Okay. Okay. And then the week after that, it's, it's, it's going to be Shavuos, yeah.